0: Hello, travellers. When I was growing up, an evening swim meant a dip in the river Scar, nudging aside the eels with the tip of my nose, trying not to get caught in the reeds. But if there's one thing we've learned about Scarswell, it's that we live in a town of opposites. In this story, we see how the other half live. And you might want to keep a glass of water handy. You've heard a version of the story before, I promise you, but bear with me. It's the one where a dumb teenager, with the encouragement of all their friends, has too much to drink. One thing leads to another, momentum builds, soon enough they're throwing up in a bush, and from there it's just a straight line to them waking up the next morning, groaning and swearing they'll never drink again. And that's if they're lucky. My version of the story begins one warm and hazy summer, at my friend Evan Tarley's house in Scarswell Rise. Of course the house was huge. It was one of those summers where you have to learn a lot about yourself. But honestly, I learned just as much about other people. I learned, for example, that my friend Evan was one of the richest kids in Scarswell. When you're a little bit younger, you can't necessarily read the signs. You don't pick it up in the way they speak or in the way they conduct themselves around other people. You don't learn that there's anything different about them until you're invited to their house, and your mum has to drive you because there are no buses out there, because buses are for poor people. Poor people aren't allowed in Scarswell Rise. It's not like there's a security guard making sure everyone who enters the gate is wearing chinos, but there might as well be. That was the first sign, anyway. The next sign is that Evan had a swimming pool in his back garden, a heated swimming pool in suburban England, and he doesn't seem to realise there's anything unusual about this. It wasn't long after my 16th birthday. I knew that sometime soon, I would have to start thinking about what kind of adult I was going to be. Pretty perceptively for a 16-year-old, I think. I had come to cherish moments like this. Moments where responsibility seemed a distant, an ill-defined concept. Evan's parents were nowhere to be seen. And that was if he had parents at all. He might have been a rich orphan, Or he might have been like one of those kids from a book, who inherit their millions of pounds from a distant but loving uncle. They live up their fantasy of emancipating themselves with their parents, fill their house with crap they don't need, spend all their money on gambling and pizza, inevitably die of loneliness or suicide before their 25th birthday. There were perhaps seven or eight of us there. I've long since forgotten most of their names. I barely even remember the weird social hierarchies that must have been going on. I don't remember if, among a group like this, I ranked among the cooler kids or not. I don't remember if Evan was genuinely popular, or just the kind of false and skin-deep popular that comes from having a swimming pool, or a trampoline, or an extensive home cinema with a popcorn machine. I don't remember if there was somewhere else I would rather have been. I don't remember if there was someone else I would have rather have been. I remember me, and I remember Evan, and I remember Helena. Helena had dirt under her fingernails most of the time, and her hair was a tightly wound coil of flyaways. She wore striped long-sleeved shirts under short-sleeved shirts. A lot of people thought she was weird, but she had an odd knack for inserting herself into groups where she seemed not to belong, nor even to want to be. I, on the other hand, thought she was pretty much the best thing to ever happen to me, and I'd barely even spoken to her. She sat sullenly on the grass next to the pool, while the rest of us splashed in and out and kicked up spray. She belonged, after all, to one of those teenage subcultures that will dissolve on contact with water. The big, red brick house loomed large above us, and the summer sun was beginning to slide toward the horizon. I sat on the edge of the pool with my feet submerged to the upper calf. The air smelled of dried grass and chloramines, and I watched as the others began to drink themselves into a stupor. That's part of the irony, actually. I certainly never meant to get drunk or anything like it. My mother would kill me if she found out. Besides, I was always hyper-aware of the possibility that I might make a fool of myself. I sat there and got splashed with pool water and tried to look like I was studying the horizon. Looking down over the end of the garden and across the rooftops of Scarswell, when really, I was keeping at least the corner of one eye on Helena. It must have been warm, because she had rolled up the sleeves of her shirt up to the forearms, and pinned most of her hair in a heap on the top of her head. It was strange to realise that she did, in fact, have a neck. She had procured a bottle of beer from somewhere, and she was peeling off the label, the little damp coils rolling up against her thumbnail, and ending up chucked on the lawn. Evan wasn't the kind of kid who'd get annoyed if you messed up his house, I guess. You could leave worse shit on the lawn and he'd barely notice. I wondered if his family employed someone to pick up the mess, to follow him around and remove all traces of his presence like a medieval groom of the stool. Maybe I had a drink, nursing it slowly, and watching as the rest of them carried on with whatever semblances of fun that they were carrying on with. Or maybe I didn't. I just remember walking over to the patio at the end of the pool, and asking if there were any beers left, and being told, no dice, ''Are you serious?'' I said. ''I bought six. Did you guys drink all of them?'' We were, remember, sixteen. None of us could just nip round to the hypermarket and pick up a few more, even if we had the means of getting there. It had struck me as a moment of considerable coolness when my mum bought me a six-pack of weak lager, told me I should be careful to share them with everyone else, as though, without me, nobody else would have anything to drink.'' She was like that, my mum. She had the kind of pure generosity that's born from naivety. "'Shit!' Evan said. "'Sorry, Charlie.' Some of the others probably mumbled a half-hearted sorry of their own. I was pissed off, and I went to sit with Helena on the grass. "'I'd share this with you,' she said, "'but it's mostly my spit by now.' She held up the nearly empty bottle, Give it a little shake even, so that I could watch the warm, beery saliva slopping around in the bottom. You're all right, I said, or something similar. I was trying to keep it cool, but Helena offering me a thimble full of her saliva was practically the most erotic thing that had ever happened to me. I wished I had something of my own to offer in return, and could think only of bodily fluids too. What do you think they're talking about? Helena said. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but over by the pool the lads had put their heads together in a huddle, They were talking in a low mutter, casting thin glances over at Helena and me, and then returning to mutter once more. They could have been discussing investment strategies, or they could have been planning to bomb Skazor to the ground. Nothing was off the table. I'm not sure I want to know, I said. Right, Helena said, but this isn't about knowing. It's just fun to speculate sometimes. Helena was a bit on the weird side, There was no getting away from that. I suppose all of these people must have been my friends, but that didn't mean I wanted to know what was going on inside their heads. Quite the opposite, sometimes. But I entertained the possibility for a moment all the same. They're wondering, I said, how they can make amends for drinking all my beers. They're planning to throw a special surprise party just for me, to show me how much I mean to them all. Helena's face screwed up as she tried to contain her laughter. Could be, she said. Could be that. Her voice creaked with the effort, and her face split apart in an avalanche of teeth the moment she finished talking. All right, I said. Probably not that. What's your big idea? They're plotting a special operation, she said. Logistics, camouflage, A team and B team. All the rest of it. Okay. I said. I'm intrigued. What's the operation all about? Oh, I don't know, Helena said. I hadn't got that far. Stealing next door's knickers from the washing line? I smiled thinly. There was a chance that this wasn't too far from the truth. Still, it didn't explain why the lot of them kept darting looks over at us, or at Helena, or at me. The sky was beginning to turn pinkish with the first throes of the sunset. There seemed to be stores of coolness working their way through the ground underneath us. The grass was soft and lush, not yet baked hard by the sustained days of bright sunshine, and I combed my fingers through it like it was the fur of a precious pet. I caught Helena watching me, watching the tracks my fingers made, the grass springing back into place behind them, its gentle scent rising, to mix with that of the swimming pool water. Charlie? Evan's voice rang crisp across the garden, bouncing off the surface of the pool like a pebble skipped across a lake. I said nothing, merely inclined my head in his direction. Behind him, one of the guys had attached himself at the lips to one of the girls, and it looked like no chisel or solvent could pry them apart. ''Sorry again,'' he said, ''about the beers. ''If you want to grab some more, there should be some in the cellar.'' He pointed up the gentle slope of the lawn to the house. I had never imagined before that it even had a cellar, but there it was, a pair of creaky wooden doors, an unfastened padlock dangling from one of them. The wood looked flaky. The door handles looked as if they might come off in my hands. The cellar door was painted in a dull, off-green.'' The colour of a suburban garden on a drizzly day, and I decided I didn't want to go in the cellar for love nor money, let alone for beer. I turned to Helena. She raised her eyebrows significantly, like she was trying to tell a whole story in a gesture. My mind went at once to those conspiratorial mutterings. The way Evan and the others had looked over at me as they spoke. Was this a trick? A trap? Was I about to be made the butt of a joke? I had visions of the doors being swung shut behind me after I disappeared, no doubt down a crumbling set of wooden stairs. Hark, they would all think, at Charlie, who clambered willingly into a haunted cellar in search of beer. Listen to his screams of terror as all sources of light are snuffed out, and he's left alone with the beetles and the woodworm through a hot summer night, all while those he thought were his friends are revelling mere metres away. Maybe, I thought, they might push Helena in after me. Maybe they imagined this might give our budding relationship the kick up the ass it needed to turn into something real. Or maybe we might be abandoned to our love, our bones found years later after the trail turned cold, all of Scarswell wondering, what could possibly have happened to us? Evan was looking at us strangely again. Perhaps he saw the calculations running frantically through my mind. Call me paranoid, Maybe I could have avoided a lot of distress if I had gone along with what Evan said, but something didn't sit right with me. I'm just saying, he said, maybe you've got a hell of a thirst on you. I don't know. Or don't. I don't care. My imagination was working overtime. I scrutinised Evan's word for a sign, or signs, that I was about to be turned into a laughingstock. The risk, I thought, was too great and the feeling of betrayal was starting to bubble up somewhere inside my gut. A mist descended, like the chlorine haze of the swimming pool being drawn over my eyes in reverse. I bought six beers for these people, I thought, and this is the thanks I get? Well, I'm not going to take it. Not a chance. Oh, I'm thirsty, all right, I said. I'm practically dying of thirst over here. I was on my feet without having noticed myself stand up. Helena looked up at me strangely as I strode over to the garden table picked up a plastic cup from the stack in the middle the lads had stopped talking the couple had even stopped devouring each other's mouths and faces I realised the cup wasn't empty but that wasn't going to stop me I flung its contents aside beer and saliva and whatever else splattering onto the grass thank god there's enough to drink I said I was practically yelling now Had I been in a more objective mood, I might have noticed that there was something unhinged creeping into my voice, a strange, attention-seeking glee, a frisson of danger. Distantly, I was aware of Helena saying my name, speaking in a soft and soothing voice. Even that wasn't enough to deter me. I crouched by the edge of the pool and scooped out a cupful. In a bizarre performance, I brought the cup to my nose inhaled as if breathing the bouquet of some fine wine, then raised the cup in a gentlemanly salute toward Evan and his cronies. I tipped my head back and poured the tepid pool water down my throat, swallowing richly. Evan's face curled into an expression of captivated horror. You're gonna die, one of the others said. Isn't he gonna die? A spirited debate began. I could just barely follow it. I lowered myself again to the level of the pool's surface, Scooped another couple from the shimmering, wavy surface, drank richly, got it settle in my stomach. "'Seriously, mate,' Evan said. "'You really shouldn't do that.' "'Oh, I'm sorry,' I said. "'Am I touching what I can't afford? "'Did your folks have this poor water flown in from the Norwegian fjords or something?' I threw back my head and laughed. "'I didn't know people actually did that.' "'No,' Evan said.' his voice growing less certain by the second. But, like, it's just regular pool water. Probably not good for you, is it? I'm telling you, the other one said. he's going to die. It's got chlorine in it. Tap water has chlorine in it, dickhead, Helena piped up. Trust Helena to defend someone's right to chug swimming pool water. It doesn't kill you, does it? Or does your mum only put milk in your bottle? Shut up, freak. Ladies, I said, gentlemen, let's not fight. I raised a third cup full of water over my head. I would like to propose a toast. A toast to our gracious host, to youth, and to Skarsel the jewel of the south coast. The jewel of the south coast, one of the lads said, getting to his feet and then sheepishly sitting down again. Swallowing my third cup of water, or maybe my fourth, or maybe my fifth, I slowly became aware that my vision was getting blurry. The Scarswell rooftops began to vanish. The tower of the Civic Centre, the cranes on the waterfront, dancing limberly before my eyes until they threatened to fall over and level the city. The people disappeared to points at the edge of my vision, and I swayed on my feet. I envisioned myself drinking the pool dry, triumphantly reducing 50,000 litres of water to a mere memory. Pissing pure chlorine as I drank, and turning Scarswell into a steaming, toxic coal. The last thing I was aware of was Helena, insisting I'd had enough and trying to take my elbow, and the way I brushed her aside as I went on, triumphantly swallowing. When I came around, the garden was dark, and there was soft, wet grass growing into my ear hole. The voices had all gone. Garden furniture was festooned with empty bottles, cups and cans. My mouth tasted like a communal shower, but the last thing I wanted was to drink a glass of fresh water. I felt, in fact, that I never wanted to drink again, and felt indeed that I might never need to. The lights of Scarswell stuck up awkwardly in the darkness. I held myself towards the end of the garden to look down over them. I had a strong desire for my mum to come and pick me up. I ended up face down in one of Evan's mother's rhododendron bushes, just in time to feel my stomach beginning to roll. My diaphragm contracted. The telltale coming of vomit began. I opened my mouth, and there flowed from me only fresh water, a clear and unbroken torrent. Cold, clear water pouring over my tongue and swishing over my teeth, pouring down the hillside. I knew that before morning came, the city would be submerged. I thought of my family, thought of my childhood, I thought of school and the people of Scarswell. In my mind's eye I saw them washed away, and I didn't mind, one bit. Here at the Scarswell Tourists Information Office, we rely on our listeners. If you enjoy our stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon and find our newsletter, merch and more at scarswellonseed.com. We'll see you in two weeks. We're so very sorry.